we're going to, amen, get into the word. I am finishing today, finally, <laughs> the series that we've been in, Apostolic Revival. And this series has been all about discovering what it truly means, amen, to experience revival. And there have been five gears. If you could put up that, that slide for me, it should be there. There are five gears that we have looked at, five ingredients, doctrine, uh, fellowship, prayer, giving, and, and finally today, I'm going to be speaking on the fifth gear. Amen. We've, we've gone each week looking at how all of these work together for the advancement of the church and to stimulate revival, which I believe we are in right now. But we're going to conclude the series. I'm going to read out of Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47. We're going to read there. And then after, I'm going to jump to Matthew chapter 9. It reads, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Someone say, in the temple. And the breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church. Mm, I like that part. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Amen. This gives us a final picture of how the early church expanded and multiplied is that they came together in the temple and house to house. Now I'm going to read Matthew chapter 9 and hopefully tie two seemingly unrelated texts together and you'll see how they are. They are complementary of each other. In verse 35, it says, then Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Amen. My message today is simply this, gathering, join the flock. Someone say, join the flock. Can you say in Jesus' name? Amen. You may be seated in God's presence. 2020 will be remembered as a year of unprecedented challenges and changes. That was the year that the pandemic started. And the pandemic brought with it lockdown, social distancing. You all remember a sudden shift towards virtual meetings, and while these measures were necessary to control the spread of the virus, especially in the early stages, they also had far-reaching consequences on many aspects of our lives, including our church lives. For months, many people felt like scattered sheep, scattered sheep in this sense, isolated, detached, disconnected from one another. Indeed, we were reminded during that period of time, which seemed like it would never end in that moment, we were reminded of, of our deep intrinsic need, our human need for community and connection. Never before did we feel the, the, the void and the need of being connected to one another than during that 
time. The importance of being together was emphasized, was highlighted, was brought to our attention during that period. A period where we were forced to social distance and, and, and shelter in place and, and not uh, be around each other the way that we are today, thank God. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget the joy that I felt in my heart when I, I, I knew we could return to in-person gatherings. And as I was thinking about that, uh, I got a little emotional. I got a little emotional thinking about how I felt that first time that we were going to come. How many remember that? Huh? The first time we were going to come back together again as a church and, and how so badly I wanted. Now, now I, I could pray at home and I could worship at home. I could even hear the word at home. But that never felt the same. It never felt right. And there was just uh, something in me that desired and that looked forward and that longed to be in the house of the Lord, amen, to worship with you and to serve with you and to share with you. And, and, and as nice as those virtual gatherings were, it could never substitute what we feel when the people of God come together to worship under one roof as the body of Christ. Somebody say amen and give God a hand praise today, amen. You can't replace him. And we did the best that we could, but, it's, but what it did is it highlighted the fact of how important it is that we come together. And we know that even after we were able to come back together, there was a residual effect. There was uh, some ongoing, far-reaching effects that may have stayed lodged in people's minds and kept them disconnected from the church. And there were many who, even after the doors of the church opened, uh, decided that they would just remain virtual members of God's body. And they prolonged, uh, and I think there was some, uh, some slothfulness that may have uh, gotten a hold of some people and and it was unfortunate but we need to understand more than ever how important it is for us because God designed us for community he created us to live in a flock the psalmist said in Psalm 100 in verse 3 know that the Lord he is God someone say amen for that it is he who made us and not we ourselves we are his people, the sheep of his pastures. God has often drew a parallel between his people and sheep. We see this throughout the narrative of scripture, this parallel, this similarity between sheep and people that God or the word of God will often draw. And it's not by accident. It's because this creature uh, and humans bear some, uh, some uh, similar traits in the way that they conduct, in the way that they behave, the way they live. And these traits, I think, are important for us to understand. For instance, sheep. One of the most dominant traits of a sheep is that it is directionless. It has no direction. It lacks direction and discernment. And unlike other types of animals such as cattle, which are driven, sheep have to be led. Cattle are driven from behind, but sheep have to be led from up front. And no wonder now Jesus told us, follow me. Amen. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. And many times we hear Jesus telling uh, his would-be disciples and telling those that would want what he offers, the kingdom, to follow me. Someone say, follow me. 
And this tells us that we need to follow as sheep. As sheep, we need a shepherd. Amen. We need a shepherd. And we need a flock in order to survive. The church must come together with a shepherd. We must see ourselves as sheep, as belonging to the flock of God, as being a part of a community of faith, as being a part of a congregation, part of a, a, a group of people that have been knit together and woven together, part as a, uh, of a body, part of a people, a, a, a called out people, a chosen people, a people that are no longer uh, supposed to live on their own, apart from a body, as as individuals, but as, as members of one group of people, God's people. It has always been God's plan for his people. It didn't just start in the church age. We see that God chose for himself a group of people, the, the Israelites, the Hebrew nation, to live and dwell together uh, as one people, as one group. And it's always been God's plan for that. When we look at what it means to be a congregation, even that word has some significance. The word congregate comes from a Latin phrase which means to gather as a flock. To gather as a flock. To congregate is to, like sheep, come together as a flock. So what are we as a church congregation but sheep that are coming together to gather as a flock? As a church, we congregate. Amen. We, we come together. We flock for worship and for fellowship and for edification. As a church, we are very different from the most other religious institutions and spiritual movements and, uh, and spiritual individualistic journeys that people would venture upon. As a church, we do not uh, preach, nor does the Bible tell us that we ought to isolate ourselves and live in a monastery on a hill somewhere like a, a monk and, and just dedicate ourselves to just God and nothing else. Uh, but, the, but the prescribed life that God has for his people is that we might live with and with one another that we might belong to a group of people belong to a flock belong to a body of other sheep that are all in pursuit of the same thing which is to follow their leader to follow wherever the good shepherd were to lead us we have to more than ever buy in to the flock mentality the mentality of a sheep the mentality of a flock that comes together and, and lives life together. This is God's will for each and every one of us. Not to live as remote islands. Not to exist apart from a body, but to belong to the body. Can someone say amen today? This is God's will for us. The flock mentality gives us three reasons for gathering as a church. And that's really what I'm going to be zeroing in on, using the analogy of the flock and the sheep. I want us to, to leave this service today with a deeper and a greater sense of responsibility and a greater calling and a greater plan of action to uh, coming together as a body. Uh, we come together. We come together. That is what makes the church so unique. We gather here every Sunday at 2 p.m. to gather and to worship and to fellowship together. That, what, that makes the church unique. That makes us who we are is that we come together. We gather on Sundays for corporate worship. We gather in our small groups, in our city groups, so that we might encourage one another and build each other up in faith and, and befriend each other 
and be the hands and the feet of Christ to one another, to show that love, to show that grace. Amen. We need each other. Amen, somebody. We need each other. We need one another to survive. And there are three reasons I want to get into. Number one is protection. Can someone say protection? Come on, say it again. Say protection. Sheep are social creatures. They are social creatures who can become easily distressed and vulnerable when they are separated from the flock. But nevertheless, they are prone to stray. They're prone to stray. Even though they need a flock, there is a tendency in sheep to stray. And I have discovered and we have seen that throughout the, the, the examples in Scripture that humans are no different. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, we all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Within us all, there is this tendency, there is this propensity to stray from the flock. Even though we know that it's probably not a good idea, there is just something inside of us. It's just in our nature. It's just in, in who we are as individuals, as people, to, to stray from the flock. And there are two primary reasons why sheep, uh, sheep stray from, from the flock, from the church, from, from gathering together. The first reason is fear. It's the first reason is fear is when they sense danger, sheep will stray from the flock. They will stray from the flock when they sense danger. They will panic and they, they forget to, uh, how, how to respond. They, they become overwhelmed with a sense of danger, uh, an approaching threat upon them. And instead of uh, staying with the flock, their first instinct at times is to run away and to uh, flee from whatever danger they perceive. And so they will just stray from the flock. And I've noticed that this behavior is, is mirrored in Christians who also may withdraw during difficult times. Withdraw during times of trouble, during times where the most important place we ought to be is in church. The most important place we ought to be is with the flock. But somehow, some way, people find themselves withdrawing at a time where they should be drawing closer. They draw further. And they begin with this thought. They begin with this thought. Maybe you have entertained it before. I've at least heard other people say it. That, that I just need a break right now to kind of figure things out. I need a break right now. And, and it doesn't make any sense. It's completely illogical from the fact that as a church we are supposed to be here from one another. But I need a break right now. That's how it starts. And then it ends with, well, when I get myself together, then I'll come back to church. Then I'll come back when, I, when, I, when I'm better, when I can get back to a place where I feel like I'm, I'm better. And all that does is lead people to a dead end because they never get better and things never improve. And they keep searching for answers and they keep searching for a way and they keep searching for something that doesn't exist which is only what God can give us, which is that peace and that joy and that love and that acceptance. Somebody say amen today. But people will, they will, they, they will withdraw. And this behavior is a manifestation of fear and shame that people feel. And they feel like they have to have a perfect life. They feel like they have to have all their ducks in a row. And that they have to live pristine and perfect lives in order to serve God. No, because if it was a requirement that we would be perfect to come to church, then none of us would be able to be here today. 
If perfection was the standard, then none of us would qualify here today. But I feel like I am reaching into somebody's heart today. I feel like I am talking to someone today who needs to understand that we don't get good to get God, but we get God to get good. We don't get our lives together and figure everything out. Come on, do I have a witness today? It is God who turns things around. And I've come to tell somebody today, if you've been running in fear, if you've been trying to search for an answer and get things right on your own you're never going to find it out there my friend but if you get closer to the people of God and you get all the way into the church of God and you make this place your place of refuge and your place of strength you will find what you need for your soul hallelujah the second reason that people wander off is their hunger their hunger for what appears to be greener pastures they don't wander off because of trouble they wander off because they get comfortable they wander off because uh, the grass looks greener on the other side. They wander off because drawn by their own curiosity, they think they might experiment because uh, something looks appetizing out there. Something looks different out there. Uh, there there's something attractive about what the, the, the world or what the cares of life and the affairs of life may have to offer. And so sheep will sometimes uh, uh, venture and, and out uh, further and further away. And the only problem is, is that as, as a sheep ventures further away from the flock, the more disoriented they get and confused they get because, again, they don't have an internal direction. Uh, they, they are directionless. They don't have discernment. And so when they get further and further away from the flock, they get disoriented. They don't know where they're at anymore. They don't know who they are anymore. They don't know where they belong anymore. They don't know what to believe anymore. And they get and their minds are filled with confusion and they get disoriented. And that, and more fear gets a hold of their heart. And I have and I can tell you today that from what I've seen over, over the years and throughout my life is that when people get further from the flock and they try to venture out and do things on their own and, and they put church second in their life and they and, and they forget the importance of church and gathering as a body for their spiritual lives, they soon begin to find out that, that it was all smoke and mirrors, that, that it wasn't what I thought it was going to be, that it didn't have the riches and the, and the fulfillment that I thought it would have. It didn't have uh, what I was hoping I would find. It's not there. And they come to realize, uh, like the prodigal son did, after he had asked for his inheritance, uh, and he spent it all on wild living uh, and found himself in a pig's pen eating with the pig. He realized that he had been missing out on the riches and the joy and all that he had in his father's house. And they come. I hope today that somebody would come to their senses and realize that there is no better life for me than to belong to the people of God. There is no better life than me than to belong to the church. Clap your hands and give the Lord some praise today. There is no better life, but they get disoriented out there. And they make, uh, they make church secondary. It becomes a habit of theirs to only come when everything is perfect. When they're, well, if my schedule permits. If everything lines up, I'll be there. No. Everything is not going to line up. You've got to make up in your own mind that this is important. And I need to stay connected to the body. Hello, somebody. I said, hello, somebody. 
It's got to become a priority for you. It's got to become a decision for you. You've got to take a stand and, and draw a line in the proverbial sand and say, you know what? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And we're going to make church a priority. And we're going to make gathering a priority. It's not optional. It's not secondary. It's not an elective that you can just sign up for or not. It is something that is essential to your well-being as a believer. It is something that if you don't have active and consistent in your life, you will miss out on the greatest blessings and treasures that God would want to put into your heart. Is anybody a witness of that today? Hallelujah. And soon what it begins to happen is that they, they are tossed to and fro. Just like a sheep is, is wandering off on his own. He's disoriented. He's confused. The further you stay from the gathering, the further you, you withdraw from the people of God, the more you get tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine and the trickery of men. And you start to forget things that you need to remember. And you lose sight of what really matters. Oh, hallelujah. But God wants you to know today that there is a lifeline. God wants you to know today that no matter how close you are, you say, well, I haven't left yet. I'm still, I still got one foot in. That's the problem. You got to get both feet in. Amen, somebody. You got to get both feet in. There might be somebody hearing me today that's been straddling the fence. Come on. There might be somebody here today that's been got, got one foot in the church and one foot in the world. You say, I'm a, you know, I'm a sheep on Sunday, but I'm a goat on Monday. You know, I, I, oh, my Lord, I like to sing the songs and I like to go with the pack on Sunday or every, every Sunday so often. But then I like to do my own thing. Honey, that is the most dangerous and miserable place that you can be. You got to be either hot, hot, or cold, cold, uh, and make up your mind that I'm going to serve God. I'm going to get all the way into the body, get all the way into the church, uh, get all the way into the flock, uh, get all the way into where I belong. Amen, somebody. I need to get in. What begins to happen is that a stray sheep will lose its balance and it will fall over. It will flip upside down. And this happens. This is a common occurrence. Shepherds call this cast down sheep. And the thing about this is that the sheep, once it is in this position, happens very easily because they're top heavy. You see how they, they, they got skinny little, skinny little limbs, and they got a, you know, they got a, they got, they got a nice round tummy right there. You see, and there's not a lot of muscle in those legs there. And, and what happens is they get rolled over on their back by the smallest. Thing. Even a wind can push them over, a strong wind, and they're unable to, when they're in that position, turn themselves and get back on their feet, no matter how hard they try. They kick their little legs in the air, and they're crying, and they're doing everything they can to roll themselves back into a right position and they cannot do it on their own. Why? Because sheep are helpless. They need a shepherd. They need help. But they're, they're, there they are, you know, swinging their arms and, and trying to get back. And here's what you say, well, that, that's just harmless. No, it's not. Because the longer that that sheep stays in that position, what begins to happen is the stomach begins to swell with gases and it, and, and, and it cuts off circulation to its limbs. And it will either die of suffocation or at the hands of a predator. 
He'll either die of suffocation or a wolf or a predator will come and have himself a nice dinner. Can I just tell somebody today, you cannot make it without the flock of God. You cannot make it because at some point, I don't care where you go in this world, doesn't matter how smart, how wonderful, how, how beautiful you think you are, this is exactly how you're going to end up at some point in your life. And God forbid that this happen and you be away from the flock. God forbid that this happen and there's nobody there to put you back up. But I've come also to give somebody hope because we have a shepherd in God that no matter where you are, God said, this is what I'll do. Jesus said, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains and seek the one that is strained? Jesus said, if that's, put that picture back up. He said, if this is where you are in your faith today, I'm going to come for you. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to put you on my shoulder and carry you back to the church. But you got to stay there when I bring you back. Somebody shout hallelujah. You need the church. Can I tell you, you need the church and the church needs you. Every one of you, the church needs you. We need you. We need you. And we need each other. The second reason, the second reason for the flock mentality, the second reason why we gather as a church is for support. And this goes hand in hand with the first reason. We need to support one another. Amen. We need to help each other. Scientists have found that sheep support each other through a couple of ways. First, they do it vocally. They do it through, their, through the noises that they make, the sounds that they make. With the bleats and the grunts, uh, they can communicate many things to each other. Like, I'm hungry, or, or I'm distressed, or simply a desire to be close to them. They let these sounds out, you know, the bad kind of sounds. Uh, they let out these bad sounds. Uh, and, you know, it all sounds the same to us, right? Like a bad is a bad. But, but if you're a sheep, all those bads, depending on how, how loud or how soft, they all communicate something different to each other and this sound uh, these, these, these words and these communications uh, between the sheep to me it illustrates the phenomenon that occurs uh, when the church gathers together the flock of God as we begin to speak to one another hallelujah as we begin to sing songs together as we begin to worship together something begins to happen we need to understand something about praise and worship uh, something about lifting our voices uh, it, it's not only is, is it vertical not only is it, uh, is it vertical to God, but it's also horizontal. When we worship God as a family and as a church, uh, not only is God blessed, uh, but we are blessed in the process. Uh, Paul said these words uh, in Ephesians 5, 19. Speaking to one another, he says, uh, in songs and hymns uh, and spiritual songs. Uh, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Is something powerful happens uh, when we gather together. And worship God. Can you worship God all by yourself in your car? Absolutely. Can you worship the Lord in your home with nobody there? Absolutely. But there is something greater about coming together. Come on. And worshiping God as a church. There is, some, there is a compounding power that is released. I wish I had a witness. When we bind together with our worship. 
Worship changes the atmosphere. It releases the power of God. And there is something special that happens when we gather every Sunday to lift up the name of Jesus. When we come to make melody. When we come to sing praises. Notice he says speaking to one another. We are singing to uh, in the same direction. We are singing to one another. Not because we're worshiping each other. No. But as we are singing, we are edifying each other. Hallelujah. We are building each other up, praise God. We are encouraging one another. There are times I come into this church, I'm human just like you. I've had a bad week. I feel discouraged. My spirit is low. And I come into this house, sometimes on empty. And then I get around the people of God. And I start seeing my brother and my sister lifting up their hands and magnifying Jesus. And singing the songs from this platform. And the music that is emanating from these instruments. And it does something to my spirit. It does something to my heart. Because when you get together with the body and we begin to worship, things begin to happen. Hallelujah. Things begin to take place. The power of God. Remember Paul and Silas as they sang together at midnight. All of the prisoners were there listening to them. And the Bible says that at midnight all the doors were open. And all the prisoners came out and everybody's chains were loosed. And I read that scripture and I say, hey, wait a minute here. All of those prisoners were not singing. All they were doing was listening to Paul and Silas sing. So how is it that all of them got set free? I'll tell you how it is. It's this right here. Even if you're just in the environment of worship and praise, you may not even be singing, but even, my God, I wish I had a witness. Something is happening in the supernatural, and every chain that you came in with begins to break off of your life. And oh my God, the addictions break off, and the sin breaks off. Do I got a witness? Somebody magnify the Lord and give him some praise in this house. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, let me hear you worship. I wonder if somebody right now can lift up your voice. I wonder if somebody today can magnify God. Somebody lift up your hands, lift up your voice, and shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Why? Because God is worthy, and in your praise, somebody else might get free. Never know how as you're praising God, it will encourage somebody else. Oh, there is something about those songs. There is something about worshiping together. And then we'll take it another level. Just like the sheep, they also communicate through body language. They corral themselves together. They huddle up together. And everyone's kind of, you know, rubbing shoulders together. Hallelujah. And they just start, you know, uh, transmitting something to it. It's that warmth, you know, because there's a cold weather that comes through or, or maybe there's a predator that's prowling around and so the sheep come together and they're there standing side by side and their shoulders are rubbing and it just communicates love. It communicates strength and something happens when I step into the house of God and I see my brother and he puts his hands on my shoulder. There have been times where just feeling the hand of my brother on my shoulder will lift my spirit. Woo, 
my God. There have been times where I have shaken somebody's hand and I feel the Holy Ghost. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I talking to somebody that knows what I'm talking about today? You shake that brother's hand and you feel something. You're praying at the altar all by yourself and all of a sudden somebody comes behind you and they put their hand on your shoulder and you begin to feel something up down your spine. Oh, I'll tell you why that's important. Because there are some blessings that can only be transferred when we come together as a body and we connect with one another and touch each other and release the power of God. Something happens when we touch one another. And when we, ha- we have that embrace, hallelujah, it's a handshake, a hug, a prayer can change somebody's they can change somebody's world. I'm almost done. Listen, we need to support one another. The writer of Hebrews said, and let us consider one another. He said, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and much more or so much the more as you see the day approaching. He says, let us not forsake the assembly of ourselves. Let us not put it off as some are in the habit of doing, but let us come together and exhort one another. Let us stir up love and good works towards each other. Someone say amen. Let us build each other up. Let us help one another. And then he says, you want to do this more, not less, as the day of the Lord is approaching. How many of you know Jesus is coming soon? Amen. And as Jesus is coming soon, the closer we get to his coming, we need to meet more, not less. Whoo, my Lord, hallelujah, Jesus. We need to meet more, not less. We need to continue coming together. And so what do we do? We gather, we gather. Someone say, we gather. We gather on Sunday. We gather in our city groups. We gather uh, uh, families with families and, and building each other up and building connections and strengthening our bonds and strengthening the bonds of love and getting to know one another. And let me give you the final reason before I'm done. Ooh, I ran out of time. But i got to give you this last one because it's just as important and, and it's for tending. Why do sheep, why is it important that they gather in the flock? It's for tending because sheep need a shepherd to tend for them. They need a shepherd. They need a shepherd to leave them. Otherwise, what's going to happen to the sheep? I'll tell you, that sheep is going to starve. That sheep is going to starve or is going to drink from unclean waters because the sheep doesn't know the difference. It just starts drinking from any water. It'll, it'll walk up to a mud, uh, uh, muddy waters uh, and just start drinking. Sheep are known to do that. Uh, and so they don't, they don't pay any attention. They'll just consume it. Uh, and so they need a shepherd. I'm reminded of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me me to lie down where in green pastures and leaves me besides the still water. The Bible teaches us that Jesus is our chief shepherd. Someone say amen. 
He's our chief shepherd. He's the shepherd of shepherds. He's the good shepherd. But also in the plan of God, there is the under shepherd. There is also the shepherds that he places in our physical lives. He calls pastors and elders to serve as shepherds over the flock of God. Peter told the pastors and elders these words in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2. He says, shepherd the flock of God, talking to the church leader, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor being lords over those entrusted over you, but being examples to the flock. And I'm here to tell you that every sheep needs a pastor. Mm, I'm going to say that again. I said every sheep needs a pastor. Because pastors keep sheep in the pastures. Oh, this is my favorite point. <laughs> Can you guess why? No pastor. Someone say it. No pastor. And we've got a lot of folks nowadays. Man, I feel like I'm just starting to preach now. <laughs> Who want the pasture? But they don't want the pastor. They want the pasture. They don't want the pastor. But I'm here to tell you, no pastor, no pastor. You say, well, why is that? Why can't just God be my pastor? Well, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He is the good and the chief shepherd. Amen. But he also placed pastors in our lives to lead us and guide us. Did Jesus not tell Peter, who would eventually become a pastor and a leader in the church, he said, Peter, do you love me? The Lord said, he said to the Lord, yes, I do. He said, feed my sheep. He said, tend, three times. He said, tend to my sheep, feed my sheep. And then he said, feed my lambs. I am, in, I am entrusting these lambs. They're not yours. Can I tell you, you don't belong to me. You're not my people. Okay, Pastor, I'm my members. You're not my members. You're not my people. You belong to God. Just like I belong to God. Amen, somebody. You don't belong to me. Amen. I didn't die on the cross for you. I'm not your savior, praise God. Jesus is our pastor of pastors. He is our shepherd. Amen. I don't, I, you don't belong to me. We belong to him. But God has entrusted you under the care of a pastor to take care and to guide and to lead, to watch over the flock of God. And it is my responsibility before God and before man to fulfill that calling and to do the best job that I can. But can I tell you something today? I can't pastor people I never see. Someone say, Ooh. I can't pastor people I never see. You know why? Because I, I can't follow you everywhere. I can't be sneaking behind your house and look and say, I want. I can't be. That's not my job. <laughs> so the only times I really get to see church is when we gather on Sunday and I get my eyeballs moving around this church or when we meet in small groups. Sunday's not the only day, but it's the primary day. Oh, Lord. And there are things that sometimes God will show me about people. And just by looking into your eyes on Sunday, God will put something in my heart to pray for you. I may not even tell you what it is, but I'll start praying for you throughout the week. And I can't pastor people I don't see. 
God placed me. I said, Pastor, go ahead and start praying, brother, because it's hard. <laughs> you know, we live in a day, I'm going to tell you this, we live in a day where people don't want pastors. They want preachers. Can I tell you, there's a difference between a preacher and a pastor. A preacher can draw a crowd. A preacher, any, any preacher worth his salt <laughs> could probably draw a crowd if he just says the right things. I'm not interested. God didn't call me to be your preacher or to be the preacher of the church. But pastor, a lot of people, they, they, they don't want a pastor. You know why? Because if you're just a preacher, that means you, I'm not accountable to the preacher. Play it softer, brother. Play it softer. I don't have to be accountable to the, to the preacher. We live in a world where people don't, they, they don't want that kind of accountability to, to a pastor. They only want a preacher or a priest. And they think it's really old school for a pastor to be involved in their lives, to know about their lives, for a pastor to have covering over their lives, but but I'm here to tell you, and I say this with respect, and I say this with the Holy Ghost, that that if that unpastored Christians are an easy target for the enemy. Hmm. Because part of my job as a pastor is to point out the wolves that are in sheep's clothing point out the false prophets and the false teachings and the false things that come is to say, no, that's, that, that's that, that part of my job is to point out the rules and fight them off for you and to correct when needed, to love when needed. Oh, hallelujah. I hope you feel my burden today. And so what am I doing this after? What's the Holy Spirit doing? It's saying, come on and join the flock. <laughs> 